Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over the big UFC 280 card headlined by two title fights. We got Charles Dobronx Oliveira trying to reclaim the title that was snatched from him from the scales due to his last fight. He's going up against his toughest test to date in Islam Makachev. And then in the co-main event, we have Aljamain Sterling looking to defend his title for the second time, going up against former two-time, two-time bantamweight champion TJ Dillashaw. Very much looking forward to that stylistic clash and whether the snake can reclaim the title that was once his. I got a great guest lined up for you guys today. And I want to just apologize right off the jump in regards to that bland waiting screen that I had for you guys. Now, I tried this method out for my uh, episode, the MMA Lock Talk that I did yesterday. I got some music behind it. It was beautiful. Everybody was popping. Everybody was excited for the show to get started. And then I got slapped with a copyright claim. I'm like, hey, well, what is this, YouTube? You guys, you guys, I swear this music was supposed to be royalty free, copyright free. But I got slammed with that. So I'm trying to figure out the best way of putting music behind that and not getting flagged for anything. So I apologize for that bland opening there. But it is always the best way to get a couple of you guys in here before we actually kick off the show. Because I'd rather have as many eyeballs as possible when I bring on my guests, which is exactly what I'm going to be doing right now. So without further ado, let me introduce my guest for you guys. I've been following this guy ever since he got that big-ass platform that he got where he found out how vicious... MMA betting Twitter could actually be once you have a platform where a lot of eyeballs are all on you. But this man has rolled with the punches. This man has been absolutely phenomenal. And I couldn't think of a better guy to be joined up with my guy, Ariel Hawani, who I've been knowing for almost 11 years now. But this guy's a perfect fit for his show. Let me bring in and introduce my guy, GC, a.k.a. Connor Burks. Connor, what's going on, my brother? Man, Preet, not much, man. I am happy to be here. Been following you for a while. Been a big fan. Uh, so, yeah, this is long overdue. And uh, what better card to do it than on UFC 280? Exactly. And as I've been telling my my viewers for, like, the whole week, my birthday is tomorrow. No. So what better birthday October gift? 22nd is your birthday. October 22nd is my birthday. So what Incredible, better way dude. What a day. to celebrate with the fights as soon as I wake up, pretty much. And also to give the fans and viewers a, a solid guest and, and yourself as well. Like I had to go all out. I had to bring out the big guns. So I was more than happy when you were able to answer the call. Um, yeah, I looked it up. The last time there was actually a UFC event on my birthday, I was not a UFC fan. It was UFC 50. It was Tito Ortiz versus Patrick Cote in the main event, for God's sakes. Yeah, I mean, that's how long ago it was. There was only seven fights on the card. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the day and age that the UFC was in back then. It's funny that you say that because I actually went to my first UFC event in person this year, UFC Long Island, and it fell on my birthday. The, wow. the stars aligning, it coming to New York, and me being able to go to it, and it's on my birthday. I mean, can't ask for a better birthday present than that. Besides the the crappy main event ending of that card, oh I think it was God, a pretty dude. solid card outside of that, no? Yeah, dude, it was a ton of fun. Obviously, we got the uh, Matt Schnell, Suma Darji fight, which was just an absolute banger. Uh, but yeah, dude, I had all sorts of investment into Brian Ortega by submission. And I, oh. I was up a decent amount going into the main event. And it was just like the whole, I think I had the over one and a half too. And like, just like the whole life got sucked out of me uh, when the fight got called. It was such a, you know, 
a terrible ending to a great day, but I still had fun overall. Yeah, that was I think that was during a stretch where there was like a couple injuries that stopped a couple of the the main events, right? And I think that was the second or third one in a row. So it was weird to see that. Um, all right, let's let's before we put our gamblers hats on, or at least for me, my turban on. Um, what uh, what fight from an entertainment perspective are you looking forward to most this weekend? Like, is there one that like obviously everybody's psyched up for Charles and Islam, right, and the the other title fight? But if there's another one, you know, you want to put on your hipster hat as well. Which which fight are you looking forward to most tomorrow morning? Yeah, I mean, beyond the top three, the the obvious ones. I mean, probably the one right at right before it in Benil Dariush against Mateusz Gamrod. I mean, I think oh, that's going fire. to be absolutely fantastic. The scrambles that we're going to see, the well-roundedness of Dariush. I mean, you got a vet who's riding a huge win streak. We haven't seen him in a while. Go, coming up against this young up-and-comer from KSW, double champ. He clearly has all the skills. I mean, it's it's huge to see what's going to happen. And I think both these guys are heavy contenders in the lightweight division. On the prelims, I know he's a giant favorite, but anytime Muhammad Mokhayev is yes. getting in the ring, it, it's must-see television for me. I mean, I just I think the guy's gonna be a champion. So anytime I can watch him fight is is excellent. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer that it's coming at the expense of a fellow Canadian of mine. Yeah, I mean, I I, I've seen I've seen Malcolm Gordon rise up to the ranks here in the you know in the regional scene up here in Ontario and uh, all the other promotions that he fought for, but yeah, like the ball's on the man to to accept this fight on a two fight winning streak, going across the pond. You know, what I mean, all your all the odds pretty much stocked to get, are stacked against him. Uh, so yeah, maybe he'll pull off the upset. But my bankroll is hoping that he does it like under one and a half. If anything, we'll talk Ooh, about this fight nice very closely. Nice little yeah, tease. well, we'll talk about it very shortly. But I'm hoping that no matter who wins, it ends up coming before that seven and a half minute mark. All right. We want to sift through this card as efficiently as possible. So let's not waste any more time. Let's start with the first fight on the card. It's actually going to be a women's bantamweight belt. Both women looking pretty good on the scales this morning as well. Uh, Carol Hosa coming in as the chalky favorite at minus one or actually minus 330 now. Uh, plus 275 to return on Lena Landsberg. Now, if this was Manpreet of earlier this year, January 2022... I would not hesitate to make a, a lock of the night parlay that included Carol Hosa and probably something else chalky on the card. That that used to be my calling card. Then it didn't start to work out that often, right? That would always get that one upset that would screw up the parlay. And then I'm like, all right, let me hone this in a little bit more. Carol Hosa, she would be a parlay piece. She is a parlay piece. I don't want to jinx her here. I mean, knock on wood right now. But I think that she's a very solid parlay piece this weekend. She's going up against a 40-year-old veteran, Lena Landsberg, who's really starting to slow down. Uh, you know, she had that one big moment against Patty Kianzad where she dropped her in her last fight. But outside of that, she pretty much got rinsed from minute one to minute 15. I'm expecting similar things here from Carol Hosa, who I believe is better than Pani Kianzad. You know, maybe not as far along as Pani in her career, but she's definitely getting there. She's on the ascent, and she is definitely one of those prospects at 135 that I think is going to be challenging for a title within the next two years or so, if she can keep this winning streak alive. She's obviously going to have to bounce back from that loss that she took to Sarah McMahon last time around, but stylistically how she matches up with Lena Landsberg here, I don't see where Lena really has the advantage. She's that chick that would rough you up in the, the clinch with the elbows, the elbow queen, right? That's her nickname, for God's sakes. That's where she used to do her best work. But now it seems like Carol Hosa might be the more dangerous one should this fight get into that clinch position. So I do like the Carol Hosa side. Completely understand why people would parlay it. 
for God's sakes, I parlayed it. I couldn't help it. I had to do it, but I didn't go as deep as I normally would. I just, I'm trying to, you know, just make sure that I'm uh, using my unit distribution properly here. But I do like Carol Hosa here. I think she wins by decision. What about yourself? You think Lena Landsberg has that upset dog in her or Carol Hosa? All I, yeah, no, I don't. So it, it's funny that you mentioned, uh, you know, playing chalk parlays. If, you, if you've ever seen any of my picks, that is uh, my bread and butter. I always get at least one or two on the card. I uh, love getting called a chalk donkey. You know, don't don't choke on the chalk, man. I don't care. You're uh, sneaky I, with it, though. Like, I notice you'll do, like, the alternate over one and a half and all that uh, stuff. That is, like, that is my thing. When the old <laughs> that's one and fine. a half drop, I mean, that is, like, <laughs> that is my thing. I'll play a minus 750. I don't – I do not <laughs> care. Uh, it's funny that you also mentioned the parlay. So, I actually played Carol Hosa on Sunday. I believe it was at minus 230. I just played her straight. I'm, I'm in 100% agreeance with you. I mean, Lena Landsberg's 40. She hasn't won a fight in over three years. I mean, that Sarah McMahon fight. You mentioned Carol Hosa struggling. Lena Lansbury landed one significant strike against Sarah McMahon. I mean, that is over 15 minutes, too. Over 15 yeah. minutes. This wasn't some early finish yeah. uh, by Sarah McMahon. I mean, this was 15 minutes and she landed one significant strike. I don't think Carol Hosa is a world beater. I don't think she's a massive contender here in the in the bantamweight division. But I do think she's a Lena Landsberg beater. I think she gets this done. I don't see a ton of past the big three for, for Lena Landsberg. So, yeah, I, I got Carol Hosa straight at minus 230. I'm with you. I would, I would be willing to parlay her up as well. I love it. I love it. And shout out to Akira Khorasani uh, in the corner. And I didn't even know that he was actually the uh, the husband of Lena Landsberg. Uh, I didn't you know, know that either, actually. Yeah, he was on stage with her here. And then somebody mentioned it before. I'm like, oh, crap, they actually have a kid together, too. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's get this next fight under the way. Let's talk about uh, the fight that we were actually talking about before we started here. Um, a flyweight belt between Phenom Muhammad Mukhayev going up against Malcolm Gordon. Minus eleven fifty now on Makai, plus seven fifty to return on Gordon Connor. I'll let you kick this one off, my brother. What are you thinking? I know you're hyped up about Makayev, but is there a certain angle that you're looking to play this fight, and ultimately what your prediction is? Yeah, hyped up about Makayev, man. I, so I got a couple angles on this one. I, I parlayed up Makayev early in the week, minus seven seventy. I mean, he's ballooned even further than I expected him to go. Yeah. He's at minus twelve hundred, minus thirteen hundred at a lot of these books. Um, I think he's the real deal. I, I think this is a fight that he's going to come in. He's going to dominate. Uh, and I think he's going to get Malcolm Gordon out of there. Uh, just the dominant factor of Muhammad Makayev. He's not the most elite finisher, but he does have those finishing capabilities. Malcolm Gordon, if you look at his last 11 fights, 10 of them have gone under the one and a half. Nine of those 10 ended in the first round. I think Makayev is going to be able to implement a strong game plan, get this thing done. Uh, and so I also took the under one and a half. At plus 105, I think he gets him out of there. Uh, flyweight unders have become a little bit uh, part of my brand. No bets barred my betting podcast. Uh, we're 8-0 on the year on flyweight unders. First time we're going on the one and a half. Uh, it's going to be a, a bumpy ride. Hopefully we get it done, but I can't not play it, especially on a guy like Makayev, who I think is really going to to dominate this fight from from start to finish. Yeah, the bread and butter in Malcolm Gordon's game is that BJJ black belt that he has. But man, I think he's just going to be completely outmatched uh, in this one. We always find out that there are levels to black belts. And like, I think that this is one of those fights where that 
will likely find it out, man. I think that Makai's relentless pace and his grappling is just going to be too much here for Gordon. And we've seen Gordon be a little bit chinny at times, so I wouldn't even be surprised if Makai lands something on the feet to put him down and then either clubs and subs him or clubs and drums him. Uh, I was looking at Makai via TKO. I think that was around plus 230. I think that's another way that you could potentially attack this because it's inside the distance is minus 225, right? Like, uh, you could obviously parlay that if your bookie allows those types of uh, props to be parlayed. Uh, but I'm glad that we're on the under one and a half here because I agree. I think that this is going to be one of those like early Mukhaev, uh wins. Like you've seen it throughout his career on the regional scene. And a lot of people would say, okay, he's just fighting tomato cans there. I'm not trying to insinuate anything about my guy, Malcolm Gordon here, but I'll just leave it at that. But I'm glad that me and Connor are on the same page here with the Mukhaev smishing early on in this fight. All right, let's get to the next fight. It's a middleweight bout between Armin Petrosian and AJ Dobson, a striker's delight. I'm very excited about this matchup. Uh, the third fight of the of the card, right? If you're not already awake, especially you Pacific coasters, you're definitely going to be awake after this one. I promise you that. Now, uh, Petrosian obviously coming in as the favorite. He's coming in at minus 205, plus 175 on AJ Dobson. Um, I went two ways about this. I, I took KO on Petrosian at plus 100, and I took the under two and a half around minus 180. I'm expecting nothing but violence in this matchup, right? Both guys have had to deal with grapplers in their last matchups. Hasn't really worked out the best. Well, it worked at one and one for Petrosian. Obviously, that hellacious fight he had against Gregory Rodriguez, where he showcased solid, uh, well, his takedowns are always trash, or, or his takedown defense is always trash. But his ability to defend submissions and then work back to his feet is quite elite for a guy that strictly had a kickboxing background when he started his MMA career. So I was impressed by that. Even in the Kyle Bahayo fight, you know I mean? Bahayo was backpacking him the entire time, but we didn't even see him get close to one of those submissions as Petrosian was able to work his way back to his feet or at least defend long enough that the uh, round ended. On the flip side for Dobson, dealt with my guy Jacob Malkoon, just relentless pressure, takedown after takedown. He didn't succeed in that first round with any takedowns, but then that relentless pressure caught up and Dobson could not stop the takedowns the longer that that fight went on. Luckily, both guys are going to be able to strike with each other here. Should anybody go for the grappling? I think it would be the AJ Dobson side. I just don't think that he is skilled enough to even keep a guy like Petrosian on the mat, though. So as long as this fight stays on the feet, I think Petrosian will have the edge. He is a technically better fighter here, technically better striker. And I think at a certain point, he finds that chin of Dobson and puts his ass out give me petrosian knockout and under two and a half connor what are you thinking here i love it dude we got a lot of alignment here early on i'm also Let's on the under two and a half i played it at minus 200 nice line on on minus 180 but i'm in agreement with you man I, I think this is a striker's delight i i think what you said they've had to fight grapplers recently malcoon Paolo had the back pretty much the entire fight uh, against Petrosian, didn't really let them shine in what they are capable of uh, especially with the finishing capabilities so I think they're going to come in here swinging, throw caution to the wind, especially in front of this Abu Dhabi crowd, uh, and someone is going to get put out. Uh, you mentioned that Gregory Rodriguez fight. I was on the fight. Ooh. doesn't go to a decision in that oh. one in, uh, in oh. a parlay. We got jinxed, dude. It was either Felder or Brendan Fitzgerald. They were like, this one is not going to go to the distance. <laughs> like they said it in the middle of the first round. I clipped it off. Uh, but, yeah, that, that one was brutal to watch. Uh, that 
Rodriguez sneaky goes to more decisions than you think he does. Yeah, man. Yeah, the the guy's a wild man, but sometimes he can just sneak to that 15-minute mark uh, without you even knowing it. But uh, I was on Petrosian and Petrosian round two in that fight because uh, I really thought that Rodriguez would struggle to get the fight and keep the fight on the ground in the first round, start to gas out, and then Petrosian could take advantage from there. But... We got a war regardless. I got to cash my Petrosian money line ticket regardless, but still, that one should have ended, and I feel for you, Connor. I apologize that you had to rip that ticket up. Hey, right. It happens, man. I mean, what was it this time last year? You had the uh, you had the under on the Benoit Saint Denis. Oh no, fight. no, 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 no. We don't talk about that <laughs> fight on this uh, on this podcast, Connor. We don't. You think we don't, they bring I, the ref back? I can't. I even get triggered. My, my my left hand just just fists up into a ball, and you know it just. We don't talk about that one. I, dude, Hopefully. I, I, I can't lie. One of the one of the worst ways to lose a bet is if you have the under, you have fight doesn't go to a decision, and it looks like it's going to get finished multiple times, and it never does. It's just like such an anxious feeling, like you want to crawl out of your skin. It's just like, Dude, please call it, please. You want to you want to talk about bad beats? This is one I'll throw on you. I wonder if you remember this one: Montel Jackson versus JP Bays. That he knocked him down four times or five times, and any time he knocked him down, he followed him to the ground. He was trying to follow up with some ground and pound, and then JP Bays would just grab onto a yeah, Kimura yeah, yeah, and just yeah, hold yeah. on to that and not let him go. And then they would oh. have to stand the fight up again. It was just like getting to the point of climax and then just getting let down. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't stand that when when your guy looks like he's about to get the finish via ground and pound, and the other dude just gets the big hug and is just like, nah, nah, we're riding. Well, as the out. as the as the fighter that's about to finish the fight, why are you following him to the ground? Just let him back to his feet <laughs> brother another one ufc london earlier this year gunner nelson versus uh oh, Takashi Takashi Sato. Sato. oh yeah. i had submission i had the everybody him, had submission bro <laughs> him not getting a submission kept me from a perfect night that was the one bet wow. i missed on that fight card and like oh my god to have the back for as long as he did and be the submission specialist that he is and how many times sato has lost by submission uh -huh. oh i wanted to pull my hair out dude oh yeah miguel baeza sub this guy gunner nelson could have done Jeez, Louise. all right let's get this next fight underway <clears throat> excuse me we got a welterweight belt here between Abubakar Nurmagomedov going up against Gadzi Omar Gadziev. In terms of odds, we got minus 165 on Abubakar and plus 140 on Gadzi. What are you thinking here, Connor? Probably for me, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, the fight that I give the least fucks about. You I actually, I kind of agree with that, and my opinion sort of follows that as well. I don't have that strong of an opinion on it, but I was trying really hard to get action on almost every fight uh, just because it kind of feels like the Super Bowl, sort of like uh, <laughs> I, I did it back for UFC 276 uh, mm -hmm. for International Fight Week, and it's just a wild ride when you have action on every single fight. You, you don't get any breaks. It's just no. like, I need to breathe, man. And by the end of the card, it's just like the dust is settled. It's like, all right, let's see where we stand. So what yeah. I did... One of my friends put me onto this. Uh, we had Javier Mendez, the coach of Islam Makhachev and all these guys, Nurmagomedov um, and Takugov, on the MMA Hour this past week. That kind of inspired me up. Uh, I was thinking maybe AKA parlay, maybe like a Coach Khabib parlay. Someone coined it the Father's Plan parlay on my podcast, Ooh. the great Shaheen El Shadi. So it was Nurmagomedov, Takugov, and Islam. I guess it's just part of father's plan that we lose to Kugov <laughs> to it. So I parlayed up Nurmagomedov. It's it's really just a, a gimmick fun play mm. just to get some action down. I don't feel that strongly about it. Like if you are playing Godzi as a dog, I'm not going to fault you. Um, so yeah, not a ton of reasoning behind this other than making a dumb parlay for fun. But I parlayed Nurmagomedov up with Islam Makashev. 
uh, we'll see if it works out. Shout out to uh, Father's Plan. Father's Plan, indeed. I, I am picking the Abubakar side here, but it's very difficult for me to get to the betting window strictly because the guy's so goddamn inconsistent. Yeah. The guy debuted in the UFC at the end of 2019 and still only competed twice. This will be his third fight in three years. To me, that's just not a good look, especially considering <clears throat> both of those fights were very inconsistent, right? The first one against David Zvada gets subbed while he's on top. And then in the next fight, he goes out there and outstrikes the striker. And then eventually takes him down in the third round against Jared Gooden and grinds him out there. But very solid performance from him there. If he brings that similar type of style here against Omar uh, Gadziev, I think he wins this fight. Like Gadziev on the feet, very wild, winging hooks, nothing really down the middle. It's more so just to get that power on you and then change levels, try to get you to the ground and then beat you up there. But I think Abubakar's wrestling will likely keep him uh, from getting taken down often in this fight. And then with the superior striking, I think he should be able to get the better of uh, Gadziev on the feet. But God damn, I, mean, it's, I, can't, I can't trust him. It's, it's something you mentioned, man, that inconsistency. I mean, if, if you're going to play him, you you have to know what you're getting into. You you are taking the risk on what Nurmagomedov you're going to see this time out. In the PFL, he lost as like a minus 1,200 yeah. favorite. In the UFC, he's lost as big as a minus 400 favorite. Him, him blowing it as a minus 170 favorite? would be no shock in my eyes so i'm with you like while i have him parlayed up it's a small small parlay uh and if he loses i'm i'm not going to be shocked yeah if i were to take my dog out for a walk very drunkenly tomorrow afternoon this would be the fight that i'd probably do it for I mean, uh, one thing he does have going for him uh the great aaron bronstetter loves tweeting out the stat he does have magomed in his name and i believe it's 50 <laughs> and 8 all time magomed's uh in the ufc shout out to the fellow canadian aaron bronstetter another guy <laughs> i look forward to having on the show in the very new future all right let's get to this next one uh connor we're going to be talking about a light heavyweight belt uh very intrigued about this one we got volcan uzdemir going up against nikita krilov now, both of these guys were actually on the same card last time around. We saw uh, Volkan Uzdemir uh, dispatch of Paul Craig, and a lot of people are seeing a very, you know, unimpressing performance. For me, I was like, okay, play it as safe as you need to do. Do not get this fight to the ground. Keep it on the feet. Let your punches go when you need to, but don't overextend. Do not get taken down, right? Because if anything, we know how dangerous Paul Craig is on the mat. And if anything, Volkan Uzdemir's opponent knows how dangerous Paul Craig is on the mat because Nikita Krilov obviously got tapped by Paul Craig, willingly going into his realm uh, early in that fight. I believe that was back in March. Uh, he bounces back, Nikita Krilov, that is, uh, bounces back from that loss by a, a dispa uh, dispatching of Alexander Gustafson relatively quickly. He drops him in 10 seconds and then follows up and eventually finishes him 30 seconds later. So big, big performance there from Nikita Krilov. And Krilov even calls out Uzdemir after that win. So it lines up perfectly that these guys are fighting this weekend. Now, Krilov, since coming back to the UFC, the guy's been a grappling machine, right? Like he just looks, wants to go out there and get these guys to the ground, grind them out, maybe get a finish from on top. That's his style compared to when he first was in the UFC. Like, I hate to be vulgar here, but he was fighting like he was young, dumb, and full of cum, right? Like, the guy was just going out there and just getting these guys out of there quickly. He came into the UFC so young, fighting tomato cans on the regional scene, and then he just had a very up-and-down career, obviously got cut, had a couple wins, came back to the UFC, and now he looks a little bit more matured. And especially, if, you know, physically speaking, the guy looks in phenomenal shape as well. Uh, but I think that he's going to struggle here with uh, getting Volkan to the ground. Volkan, 86% takedown defense, heavy hitter. I think he's the better technical striker. But the only thing that gives me a slight bit of pause against Volkan is 
even if Krilov doesn't get him to the mat, the potential output and numbers that Krilov could put out there could make this fight uh, a little bit closer should it just take place in the striking realm. But I love the underdog money here on Volkan Uzdemir. I had to take a shot at plus 150 myself. I think one of those reckless entries from uh, Nikita Krilov is going to make him pay. I think he's going to get... I think he could get put out. Uh, my concern is if Krilov goes for too many takedowns and he just eats up clock just trying to get Volkan to the ground. Maybe we see this go the full 15 minutes, but I think once they're at range, um, we'll see a better version of Volkan this time around than we saw in his last fight against Paul Craig because I've been seeing nothing but Volkan slander about that fight. The guy got his hand raised for God's sake. You know what I mean? The guy defended takedowns and made sure the state in his realm. You can't be over uh, aggressive against a guy like Paul Craig. I thought it was a perfect game plan for him. Hopefully, he lets it go a little bit more here. But at underdog odds, I had to take a shot. Let's go. No time. Vokan Uzdemir. Connor, do you share the same sentiments or do you think Krilov has this in the bag? All right. So, first of all, I fell in love with the Paul Craig win streak. I was dumbly on him last time out against against Volkan Ozdemir. Great call by you. And what you said, he got his hand raised. He played that fight perfectly. He wasn't going to engage on the ground where it just becomes extreme danger with Paul Craig. That's how he's been on this win streak prior to that fight. Uh, so he played the smart fight. That's what he did, and he got it done. Now, when it comes to a side, I don't have a ton of confidence on either of them. What I do think is that this fight will end up being chaotic because of the way Nikita Krilov fights. I agree with you that he has matured since returning to the UFC, but if you look at his style of fights, like I know he went to three straight decisions, but 34 of his 37 fights have gone under the two and a half. Crazy. And at the line of minus 145, going against the guy at light heavyweight in Volkan Ozdemir, who 12 of his 24 fights have ended in the first round. I know we haven't seen him get a knockout in, in I think, three years. He still has that knockout power. Just because he hasn't gotten one recently doesn't mean he can't knock people out anymore. And Krilov, what you said. If he gets reckless coming in for these takedowns, I wouldn't put it past Volkan uh, knocking him out. Or if Krilov is able to get this to the mat, I think he's able to finish Volkan there as well. I think that Krilov is going to bring the chaos in this fight. It's going to get hectic. It's going to get frantic. And I think someone is going to get finished. So I, I took the under two and a half at minus 145. I hope it is Volkan that ends up uh, having no time and gets him out of there relatively. He can flatline people, man. He's, yeah, I mean, for sure. Easy. Also, I went to Switzerland earlier this year. Hey, so, uh, you know, look at this little trot over Vulcan, here. Vulcan, man. I mean, this a fantastic country. Best place I've ever visited. So shout out to Vulcan. Shout out to Switzerland. Did you did you bring back any souvenirs or what? Uh, I got a nice mug. Got some chocolates. I mean, okay. Geneva. That's, that's a must, right? That's a must. Oh, yeah, to get the Swiss chocolates. Yeah, I mean, uh, I went to Geneva, you know, the international city. It's absolutely beautiful place. Like, Hell if yeah. a dream would be, you know, a nice lake house on Lake Geneva, that's, that's when I really made it. Uh, I'll stick with Google Photos for now until I can eventually get out there. <laughs> Same, dude. Same. That is nowhere near my future. I can promise you that. Uh, my guy, Don't Panic Artist here saying, is it me or did Vulcan look low energy-ish during the face-offs? I can't back him, especially after his last performance, watching this one as a fan. I want to say this in regards to Vulcan's uh, face-offs and weigh-ins and stare-downs and all that stuff. People were saying the same thing about his fight with Paul Craig, right? Like, oh, this guy looks scared of Paul Craig. I am of the belief that Volkan Uzdemir has resting scared face. You know what I mean? Like he just he just always looks like he's a little bit intimidated about what's going on. But behind the eyes, the guy is an absolute savage and an absolute killer. He can't control his face. Cut him some goddamn slack. Any any thoughts on that, Connor? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny that I'm on the ultimate weigh-in show saying this, but I actually have never been a big uh, post-weigh-in better. I usually have my yeah. slips in er early on in the week knowing what I want to do. 
Um, and a lot of the times I, I feel like the, the nerves and the fear that people get from weigh-ins, I can't put an exact percentage on it, but I feel like a majority of the time those don't come to fruition. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the times I see people getting scared of, of how a fighter looks on the scales and it ends up being fine. I mean, of course they look drained. Like they just had yeah. to cut weight. It is a very difficult thing to do. Um, so I'm actually not a huge post weigh-in better. So I, I typically don't pay too much attention to how they look. For me, it's honestly, I'm going to be completely honest with you. It's it's another reason to drop content. We get the wins now. Oh, if sure. there is something that happens at the wins, we get whether it changes our pick or not, great. But I am of that same belief. I don't think that we can discredit, you know, a fighter's complete resume because they might have looked a little bit sucked out on the scales the day before the fight. I need something like overwhelming. I need yes. Julius Stoliarenko fainting off the scales. Yeah, you know I mean, I need that's where Kevin, I get work. Exactly. That's where you start to do it. Like, but like, like if they're just a little bit drained and it, yeah, like it of looks course. like they've been they have no liquid shit. in their goddamn body. Yes, like <laughs> that, that's that is always what it is. And if I'm trusting a better, or I mean, if I'm trusting a fighter with yeah. my money to bet on them, I'm going to trust that they're going to handle the the weigh-in yeah. uh, experience in a professional manner. Exactly. Exactly. Just again, another opportunity for us to give like final predictions. Now that we do have that, oh, out, of course, out of, the of course. No, no, no. I, yeah. I love the show. I'm not faulting yeah. that. It's oh, I, the, yeah, for sure. The, from the post weigh-in, it's it's actually funny. Like. A fighter on this card, Manon Fioro, there was like a whole gate. Uh, I think it was our man, Paul Shag. Uh, like last time Manon fought, she like was kind of limping in her flip-flops. And yes, like, I do God. remember that. And yeah. like, uh, I know a few people that cashed out their bets, like were that worried. Oh, and, wow. Uh, no, I wouldn't go that far. No, yeah, it, it, ended far. Up being, it ended up being fine. 30-27s across the board. Exactly. All right, let's get back on track here because we got, uh, I believe, eight more fights to go. Next up, we're going to be talking about a middleweight belt between Mahmoud Muradov and Kyle Bohayo. In terms of odds, we got minus uh, 205 on Bohayo, plus 175 on Muradov. Curious to hear your thoughts about this one, Mr. Burks. What are you thinking here? Yeah, man. So I think this is probably going to be a pretty exciting fight. I mean, if if you go back and watch Muradov's fights, he he kind of throws caution to the wind. 17 of his 25 wins coming by KO. Like he comes out here and swings. I know he's a technical striker, but he he's looking for that finish. Uh, I'm actually going on the other side. I'm going on Barajo. And I'm actually going to take him by submission. Got it at plus five fifty. Uh, he hasn't had any yet. Hasn't had any yet in the UFC. Now I have to I have to say, I have to preface this. I am a professional. I am an expert at losing submission bets like i am just fantastic <laughs> at it like jared vandera uh against uh chase sherman oh. didn't even ever come close i thought i was mr big brain i was like black belt <laughs> this guy's gonna do it. i think i saw ever. your tweets bro <laughs> oh dude i was i dude i put on the tinfoil hat as our man clint always says like i was i thought i was i had something i played it at plus 700 and then the line moved to like plus 800 i played it again i was like this is gonna be the one so that's how good i am at winning sub props it, it has to be like a minus 110 by submission for me to hit these things i'm offline but the thing with Muradov, if you go back and watch that gm3 fight obviously he loses by submission but he was struggling in the first round near in the end gm3 gets his back in the second round obviously gets the back gets the finish by submission four of his seven losses are coming by submission and then Barajo, look at his last two fights if you go back and watch the petrosian and you watch the Gazi in the first two rounds he has got the hooks in body triangle full back take for minutes of each round now the concerning part is he's not converting those two submission wins which obviously at the ufc level does he have the chops does he have the skills in jiu-jitsu to get these 
submission wins. He has three on his record. I'm going to trust that he's going to get the opportunity. I'm almost convinced that at some point, Barajo is going to have the back of Muradov, you know, barring he getting knocked out. I think this gets taken to the ground. I think he does get his back at some point at plus 550. I think the chances will be there to at least make it an exciting bet for me. And I'm going to hope that he gets his first win uh, by submission here. And uh, knock on wood, I can end this losing streak of sub-robs. Folks, uh, cash out those sub props because Connor Brooks <laughs> just uh, just jinxed you right yes, there. Yes, I'm literally the jinx on these things. I'm telling you, like I like I rarely even get close. Uh, <laughs> it's, so knowing this, Brawlho is just going to strike with him for 15. <laughs> I think that would be a horrible game plan for Kawhi yes, if he decides to do that. But no, I, I see the legs that that sub prop has. Uh, just pulling your leg there, but I do agree. Uh, I, I think that. This is likely a fight where Bahayo uses that grappling and that pace and that pressure to kind of chip away at Muradov. Uh, um, to me, I, I couldn't get to the betting window strictly because we're so used to seeing Muradov as like a minus 600, minus 700 favorite. And then he loses one fight to a very tough out in GM3. And now everybody's jumping off the, the train there for Muradov. But, you know, I have a little bit of concerns. And my concern is how he deals with pressure when fighters don't allow him to fight at his pace. And that's where I think that GM3 was able to be successful because even though GM3 got hurt on multiple occasions in that first round, he did not let off that gas pedal and he stayed in his face and eventually caught up to Muradov and that's how we saw GM3 get him out of there. That was kind of the big question mark of Muradov when he first came into the UFC against a guy named Alessio Di Carico. He wins that fight, but the third round slowing down significantly. It was a big you know, red flag for a lot of people. But in his next two fights uh, against Andrew Sanchez and Trevor Smith, he shuts us all up. He goes out there and gets third-round knockouts against both of these guys, showcasing that he can still have power late in fights. However, I do believe that those guys allowed him to fight at his pace, which is why he was able to get that win the way that he did. Um, if Bahayo, who I believe has a little bit of cardio issues at times, right? We saw him slow down a little bit in his last fight against Petrosian, although his grappling still his calling card. He was able to pull it off. He was able to get the takedown and get the control. I wonder how much resistance he's going to be facing from the takedown defense of Muradov here. Um, and if Bohayo can't pressure him long enough and and deep enough into this fight, Muradov is going to be a live underdog. But I just can't get sure. to the betting window until I see it with my own eyes that this guy can deal with pressure and still come out successful. So if this was Bahayo like minus 140, I probably would be on that spot. But now that it's closer to that minus 200 range, I'm personally going to stay off of it. I am good to just sit on the sidelines. Do we As you can see, it? my camera yeah, stepped okay. off. Uh, let me fix that real quick. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, I will take this time to move on to the next way. Actually, we're just about to hit the prelim headliner, but I might as well take this time. Oh, look at this guy. All in the dark now. Jeez Louise, what are you doing over here? <laughs> <laughs> look at look we're getting perfect well, <laughs> we're really experiencing awesome. technical difficulties today. this is killing me bro. i mean my word man look at how unprofessional i am oh this there is you hilarious you see beautiful vox media studios here there you guys go is <laughs> so so just a quick question like how many actual studios are there within uh vox media if you don't mind sharing that yeah, absolutely, man. So the, we got three filming studios, a few more like side studios that are for projects on on other companies outside of MMA Fighting and SB Nation. Uh, and then we have four podcast studios. Uh, I typically have one that is my favorite and it was all booked today. So this is my first time ever in this studio. Uh, so I'm working out the kinks here. 
All right. All right. That's pretty dope. That's dope. Um, I Initially, I'll say this. When you guys first started doing the show with uh, with Ariel and all that, for some reason, me just being stupid ass, I thought you were working from home. I mean, me? No. Yeah, no. That, uh, that's I've, the vibes I was getting. I'm like, oh, wait, of course he's in the back room. Like, what am I doing? Yeah, we, we have like a, it's like a spaceship control room, man. I mean, there's like six people in there. There's like yeah. 20 TVs on the wall. It's uh it's a it's a real life production. Yeah, we've I've been in the back since uh since day one, like going on 14 months now. Jeez. Uh, and how many guys when you guys are live, how many guys are actually working on that show? Yeah, so we got five. Uh five so it's Ariel, Ariel in the chair. We have a, a technical director, Andy, uh who actually just joined us. We have our guy Joe, who's who's set design, mysterious Frank is our audio guy, Alex, the supervising producer, and then me. Uh, creative producer so there's five back there and then on mondays we have our guy new york rick so it, it gets crowded on mondays <laughs> shout out to the og new york rick as <laughs> well uh did you guys find it hard to kind of create that chemistry right off jump like when you have so many minds working together on a show a, a live show albeit um was there were there some some uh, speed bumps and stuff or was this kind of smooth sailing from the jump Smooth sailing, man. Whole way. I mean, Ariel has given me pretty much all creative freedom that I want. Same with Vox and MMA fighting. They've been, they've been super open to, to everything I want to do. I mean, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to host my own betting podcast. We're doing the watch along uh, here tomorrow. The watch party, MMA fighting uh, YouTube channel, one forty five. Make sure you tune in. Yeah, uh, yeah, nice little plug. We're setting up the the set for that. But yeah, dude, it's it's been smooth sailing, man. The whole team is is fantastic to work with. I love it. I love it. I, I'm glad that it's thriving in the way that it is. And uh, to have that. quality guys like you as well, that makes it even better. All right. Before I keep jerking you off here, let's get to the prelim headliner. <laughs> let's get to this uh, welterweight belt with a high stakes. Uh, we got Bilal Muhammad coming in as a minus, or sorry, a plus 115 dog. Seems like there's a little bit of money coming in on him now. Philadelphia's own Sean Brady coming in as a minus 135 favorite. Very interested in this matchup because, you know, it should give us maybe the next guy for a number one contender fight. Like, I think that Bilal deserves that at this point in time. Uh, the UFC seems like they don't want to give him anything. But if he goes out there and continues to turn these guys away, he's going to become undeniable at a certain point. And I think that's exactly, uh, you know, what, what could transpire. However, stylistically speaking, I think that Sean Brady is a little bit of a difficult matchup here for Bilal, right? The guy is a strong dude built like a goddamn ox, uh, very difficult to deal with in those clinch positions and those grappling positions. And I think that's ultimately going to make it difficult for Bilal to implement the game plan uh, that he usually has been leaning on over his last couple of fights, right? Footwork, movement, uh, output, and then takedowns. But I think those takedowns is pretty much where it's going to stop. Should Bilal win this fight? I think it looks like him just kind of dancing around Sean Brady, landing more numbers, landing more output. But I think at a certain point, Brady's going to get his paws on him. I think he's going to be able to push him up against the cage, get his back, control him for extended periods of time, uh, and possibly just win this fight via decision. Very close fight. I have no um, you know, convicted stance on one side or the other. Uh, I do lean Brady. If I were to play it, I'd likely go Brady by decision, which currently sits at... It would be great if my uh, Google Chrome just did not shit out on me. So I can <laughs> see what that is. Uh, Brady by decision, currently looking at uh, plus 165. Not a bad spot there. What are you thinking here? You think remember the name makes us remember his name? Or does uh, the Philadelphia native uh, get him out of there? All right. So 
as I mentioned with the sub props, I have a habit of of losing money on sub props. I also have a habit of losing money betting against Bilal Muhammad. It was on Wonder Boy. Just looking back on it, just one of the worst bets I've made. I mean, that that was one-way traffic the whole way. <laughs> so I doubled down. We go with Luke. Same thing. By like the third round, I was like, ah, I'm losing this bet. I'm losing this bet. So I'm just on a warpath to win a bet going against Bilal Muhammad. So as soon as this line dropped, I think it was July 9th, my bet slip says here, uh, I took Sean Brady. I took him at plus 115, which is now a, a good line. I still would take him again, minus 140, just on my warpath to, to get – you know, exercise these demons of losing on Bilal Muhammad. But it's everything you said. Uh, I, I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, if you look stylistically at those matchups, Wonderboy, Luke, strikers that don't have fantastic ground games, especially Wonderboy. That's why it was such one-way traffic. Now you're getting a guy where his forte is his ground game, and you're getting a guy who is built like a boulder, a huge brick wall, a young up-and-coming prospect, undefeated, who thrives in where you also thrive. I think this is a tough matchup. I think this is a very close fight. Uh, I think this is, has 29-28, maybe even a split written all over it. I think it does go to a decision. Uh, I parlayed up the over two and a half uh, with the next fight we're going to talk about over two and a half, Fiorochu Kagan. That one pays out minus 117. I also parlayed up the over one and a half. We mentioned it at the top of the show. I, I love the alt overs. I parlayed up the over one and a half as well. Um, I think it's going to be a, a razor thin fight. Um, but I'm going to trust in Sean Brady uh, to get this one done by a very narrow margin of victory. Plus, you know, prior to Wednesday, Philadelphia was on fire. The Eagles are 6-0. and The Phillies were up 1-0 in the NLCS. Now it's tied. The Flyers were 3-0, and uh, but now they're 3-1. and I, I hope that's not a, a sign of what's to come with Philly sports and Brady continues this trend. Uh, I'll feel much better if the Phillies bounce back in the NLCS tonight, but Philly's on fire, man. So uh, I don't. I'm going to hope that Sean Brady doesn't doesn't let the city of brotherly love down. Yeah, that it would be amazing to see him kind of uh, pull it off for them and, and give them that extra bit of motivation, especially for their team sports as well. Uh, there was a little bit of an echo the last time I uh, during my spiel, uh, but it seems to be cleared up now. I'm not sure if you did that on your end right off the jump, but I'm sure if, that I did. I am just look a at this guy just just I'm without just even a, knowing. <laughs> I'm just a technical buffoon right now, man. I love it. I love it. Honestly, it makes the show a lot easier rather than dealing <laughs> with guys that are just turning on a webcam and throwing on their AirPods. Like yes, you are. Uh, I'm trying here. I should have these headphones on, but <laughs> as we tried pre-show, I tried about 16 <laughs> different options and I could not get it through. Our tech guy doesn't get here. I guess he's here now. He didn't. He doesn't get here till 11:30. I was late. I was, I was left stranded on an island by uh, by myself. Uh, but we're working with what we got. We're, we're already on the main card. We're gonna make it. Exactly. You made it work, and I appreciate that. All right. That is a wrap on the prelims. Shout out to the 100 live viewers that we currently have with us. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe if you haven't already. And then obviously follow my guy, Connor Burks, over there on Instagram and Twitter. I have both of those links uh, in the description below. So you don't even have to type anything in, for God's sakes. Just a couple clicks, and you guys can be following my guy if you haven't already. And then appreciate obviously make sure you guys check out his show uh, that he does. with uh, What's his name again? Medshu? I keep forgetting. Jed Mishu. Jed Mishu. Goddamn. I don't know why. Like, I know how to pronounce it, but every time I see it, I'm just like, my brain just has a mental lapse for some goddamn. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was Mishu for a minute. Uh, (laughs) He he obviously corrected that for me. I'm hoping episode one, that's exactly what he did (laughs) for you there. Um, But yeah, make sure you guys go check that out as well. Uh, Connor gets to flex his 
his muscles a little bit more in terms of the gambling, not just on Aereo Show, but on the No Bets Bard Show as well. So make sure you guys check that out. All right, let's get into this spicy main card, Connor. First fight of the main card. Again, it's going to be taking place at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Don't get caught napping, folks. Catlin Chukagian coming in as the number one ranked flyweight in the world outside of the champion, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, she's coming in as the plus 180 underdog, minus 210, the return on rising prospect, the French woman, Manon Fierro. Very, very fun fight here. Obviously, Chukagian, the only fighter this morning to miss weight on the scales. She didn't. You know, she looked all right, but, uh, you know, she misses the mark by one and a half pounds. Uh, according to John, even John Anik tweeted it out saying, got to feel bad for her making the trip across the pond. And then her body just went cold. She just could not get off that last uh, pound to pound and a half. So unfortunate that she missed weight. It's the first time she ever missed weight. So I'm going to cut her some slack there. She is a consummate professional. This is not something uh, that is a regularity for her. So let's cut her some slack there. But this is a high stakes spot for her. Right, Connor? She's lost pretty decisively to the flyweight queen, Valentina Shevchenko. She's gone on a solid winning streak now to potentially call for another title shot. But, you know, hopefully she has her facilities uh, fully about her here because she's going to need it against a very tough woman in Manol Firo. Now, I love betting Catelyn Chukagian. She is... I call her my uh, Neil Magny of the women's division, pretty much. Right? She's always the one that's disrespected, and you'll usually get a good betting line on her, and then you can pound that, and more often than not, she'll be able to get that victory for you. Uh, I cash her as a plus 215 underdog against Cynthia Calvillo a couple months back. I was able to cash her big against Jennifer Maya in the rematch, which I felt was a no-brainer bet as well. Oh and God. even the Amanda Hibas fight, I felt that was a very good spot for her. Controversial decision to some, but there's only one person landing significant damage in that fight, and it was Catelyn more fucking Chukagian. Uh, in terms of this one, uh, I, I wanted to bet Chukagian. I love the number on Chukagian here, but I feel like the things that she does well, Mano might do better. Like she moves just as well. She punches probably a little bit harder. She has a more decorated striking background. Should this fight hit the mat, maybe that's where Chukagian can have some success. But I got to be honest. I've been very impressed with the grappling defense that we've been seeing of Manon Firo over the last couple of fights. And you got to believe that she is a far better fighter than we saw in her professional debut, which she lost against Bellator's Leah McCourt due to grappling. But since then, she's improved tremendously. Um, I don't think that Chukagian will be able to get those positions to be successful in the grappling realm. And I think for the most part, this fight stays on the feet. Firo outstrikes her, wins this fight by decision. But the the holdup I have in terms of having any action on this fight is I think it's going to play out closer than minus 210. Drew Kagan will make this a close fight. It will all come down to if Firo can actually connect with those bigger, more significant strikes and actually make it look visibly appealing to the judges as well. Like those things are all uh, optics based and it's hard to tell who's actually going to be able to land the harder strikes. Th theoretically, you would assume it would be Firo. But once they actually get into the cage, you know, what if that, that movement of Chukagin is a little bit too much for her to truly get a beat on as well? But all things considered, I think Firo is the, the, the best prediction here, essentially. I think she wins this fight by decision. But I'm just going to sit back as a fan and watch it myself. Connor, what are you thinking here, brother? Uh, a couple things. You mentioned the weigh-ins, Chukagin missing. That's that's unfortunate, especially for how fire her outfit was at the press conference. I mean, she with the pink I shoe, love it. she was she was looking five stars out there. Like absolutely brought the heat. Uh, you mentioned the Jennifer Maya fight. Uh, the decision prop on Chukagin in that one. 
Uh, I mean, they had already fought. We we already knew the decision. I think yeah. we got that at minus one ten. Uh, I mean, that was just absolutely stealing money. Really? Now you said you said sit back, watch it as a fan. So I cannot do that because I am a fan of Manon Fiero. I am like I. What's not to like? She's four zero in the UFC. Yet to lose a round on the judges' scorecards. Like she doesn't have five UFC fights, so she's not technically in like the UFC official stat books. But her striking differential four point oh eight, I believe it is. Uh, is just insane. It would be number one in the division. She can mix in the takedowns. She does have great takedown defense. I think she's going to be the more aggressive fighter here. I think everything you said about Chukagian, like, I feel like, in my opinion, might just be a notch better, a notch faster with Fiero. I agree with the breakdown of the fight. I think it is going to play out closely. I don't think this is going to be one one way traffic like Fiero has experienced so far. Even when it looks like she's struggling last time out, she still won thirty twenty seven on on all three judges' scorecards. Uh, you know, not even a close fight. I do think it goes to a decision. You're fighting the decision queen in Chukagan. The amount, like you said, you love betting on Chukagan. I love betting on Chukagan by decision. I mean, it's yeah. just it's just what she does. We 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 know it every time she comes out. Uh, and I won't be surprised, not only in the striking, if if Fiero has an advantage. We saw Hebus really be able to implement getting some takedowns in that fight. You know, it didn't have the biggest of control time and everything uh, and like really work with it. But I wouldn't be surprised if Fiero ended up taking this to the mat. Either way, uh, I think it goes to a decision. I think Fiero gets it done. So I I laid the chalk. Uh, I got a I got a better line of what it is now. I got it at minus 175. I nice. parlayed up the over two and a half, parlayed up the over one and a half. Um, so, yeah, when. Bilal comes out and gets a first-round submission, and Chukagian knocks out uh, uh, Fioro in the first round. Just know that I will be weeping somewhere because all my plays will be dead. <laughs> now I'll definitely be having my eye on those fights <laughs> a little bit more just to think about my guy, Connor. Shout-out to guy uh, Coldstein here saying death taxes and Chuk decision. That is normally I mean, true, my friend. That's that what is it is, bro. True. Uh, and my guy DXJC here saying, uh, Neo Magni about to fall off lock. That time has come and gone, unfortunately. Hey, he might still have some matchups every now and then that we could take advantage of it. Uh, this Daniel Rodriguez fight coming up. I'm kind of liking him, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, well, tell me this were you on Neil Magni against Shavkat? Uh, no, that's the one fight I knew to stay the fuck away from. <laughs> yeah, that dude Shavkat is. Yeah, Shavkat's on some next shit, man. Like, yeah, that guy, uh, I think he has a matchup coming up, right? Or has he just been calling somebody out and uh, nobody's responding? I swear. So he, oh, he's fighting Jeff Neal. He's fighting yes, Jeff Neal. Fantastic fight because Amazing Jeff Neal has, has become this, like, is he the real thing now? Like, the way that he looked against Luke was... Yo, I, I've been pounding that Jeff Neal drum for a minute now. Like, everybody forgot about him because he lost that fight against Wonderboy Thompson. Yeah. Uh, I bet him against Santiago Ponzinibbio, cash that. Bet him against uh, Luke cash that. Like, the guy is Dude. still the real deal, in my opinion. But this one, this might be a tough one, to be honest. This might, Shavkat oh, might oh. be a little bit too much. If he beats Shavkat, he is the real oh. deal. We're talking about get this man a title shot. Yeah, uh, for sure. I was on him against Luke. Uh, I was on decision prop, which... Uh, oh, knockout, baby. Let's go. <laughs> third round finish, I was like, <laughs> it's the it's a Walter White in his car meme screaming. I was like, because <laughs> uh, like, he looks so good. I was like, I think he's really going to do this. That's yeah. the problem with those decision ones. Like, I had I had Yan Jan Nam by decision a few weeks ago, and I was Ooh. just like, 
I was like, oh, I think she's going to do this. I think she's going to do this. And that fifth round was just like, oh, so close. Just, oh, yeah. So scary, dude. I thought she was going to get finished by Dern. But uh, yeah, I, I had the money line in that fight and I was sweating my balls off. I think one of my tweets was like the 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 uh, SpongeBob guy just sweating his fucking face <laughs> yeah. off going into that fifth round. I was like, oh, God, please, please hold it together. Please hold it together. Yeah, I uh, I don't know how. Minoni Fioro turned into Jeff Neil Shavkat. <laughs> uh, but Yo Maggie, Yo Maggie, that's right. Yo Maggie. Yeah. All right, <laughs> let's get back on track here. And I'm going to let you kick this one off, but let me tee it up for you here. The fight that you're most excited about going into this card, outside of the main and co-main, obviously, myself included, I think this fight could steal the show. We're going to be talking about a pivotal lightweight matchup here between Matoush Gamrat, who's coming in at minus 190, and Benny Benil Dariush coming in at plus 160. Connor, let me know what you're thinking here, man. What do you think about this firefight? Oh, man. I, I don't know what to think. So it's it's funny that I said it's one of the fights that I'm most excited for, and you've mentioned a few times how you're watching some of these fights as a fan. That's actually what I'm going to do here. As of now, I haven't gotten around to getting to the betting window and placing anything. I I thought Benil for a few days. I was I was getting itchy, you know. I was I was itching on pulling the trigger on Benil, you know, well-rounded veteran uh, on a win streak. We haven't seen him in a while, which does cause some concern. Uh, Mateus Gamrot, obviously, you, you can't even say this guy is unproven. I know he's early into his UFC career, but twenty-one and one KSW double champ. Beat our arm and Sarukian last time out. However you feel about that decision being called, that is such an impressive win. That might be Makachev's best win to date. Yeah. He's in the he's in the title uh, fight this weekend, and Mateusz Gamrot already has a win over him. I think the scam the scrambles are going to be crazy. I, I maybe edge Benil on the feet. Uh, I think he's going to be able to hold his own in the grappling. I can't. I I haven't gotten around to picking a winner. I, I think from a value standpoint, I lean Benil. But from a pick standpoint, I, I think Gamrot's going to win. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people wildly confident on Gamrot. Like, this is this is going to be easy pickings for him. I do not share that sentiment. I'm going to stick with what I said. I'm going to go with ben- Gamrot is the pick. Benil, if I was going to bet it, but I think I'm just going to stay away. I don't want to force anything. This is going to be the one where I can kind of take my break before we get into the last three. Uh so, yeah, you got anything on here? What, what's the action for, for Man Breathe on this one? It's hilarious because it feels like the ones that you're sitting back and watching as a fan are the fights that I'm betting on and then vice versa, <laughs> right? Because I, I do like a certain angle for this matchup, and I thought Please, you broke it down pretty it. well. Um, I, I'm a big Benny fan, right? I think the guy is just amazing. Like, he came into the UFC as strictly a BJJ threat since aligning with Kings MMA and Rafael Cordero. The guy has transformed his striking to be way more confident, way more comfortable in those realms, even to the point that he was outstriking Edson and Barboza a couple years ago until Edson Barboza eventually landed that flying knee and knocked him out. But uh, the confidence uh, in which he throws his power allows him to be um, a little bit too reckless on the feet because he doesn't mind being taken down, right? That's usually the concern for a lot of strikers is they can't be too confident or overextend on their punches too much because if they're fighting a grappler, they're going to assume that that guy's going to change levels and take them down. But Benny's like, go ahead, take me down. BJJ is where I thrive the most anyway. So that's why I think he has so much confidence in the striking. But here against a guy like Gamera, I think Gamera is a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more composed. And I think he just you know, throws the strikes a little bit straighter and more down the pipe than Benny. And I think that reckless style of Benny could eventually get him caught here and potentially knocked out. 
So shout out to the Action Network. The MMA Prop Squad is dropping the article, and the, it's probably already dropped by now. But one of the picks that you'll see from me on there is Gamrot by KO at plus 500. Uh, it might be down to the plus 400 range here now, but I do think that he'll be able to catch Benny Slippin. I'd be surprised if either guy gets a sub here. Both guys, very high-level submission artists. It might be a club and sub situation more than anything, but I think uh, it, it will hopefully end up being a knockout here uh, for Gamrat. I love those specific props on his KO, like I said, but the actual bet, like official bet, quote unquote, that I took here was the under two and a half. I got plus one, uh, I think it was plus 155, plus 160. Nice. And I took the shot on there. I'm expecting violence here, Connor. Man, like those, especially the way that Benny fights and the fact that Gamrat has the cardio to keep up with a guy like Benny compared to, you know, Diego Ferreira, who kind of just seemed to start giving up the later that fight went against both guys, actually. Uh, obviously, he lost to both guys here. Um, you know, Tony Ferguson can't really do much against the BJJ of Benny. I think Gamrat will be able to contend should this fight hit the mat. Um, and yet, like he was almost finished by Dracar Close. Who does Dracar Close finish, Connor? Who does Dracar Close finish? Uh, what was that guy that just got cut? Brandon Jenkins. Yeah. That's the yeah. only dude he's finished. <laughs> and he was just inches like a away. Wash match. Exactly. That the, the whole trajectory of lightweight from 10 to, you know, or 15 to 10 could be different should Dracar Close have been the one that got that knockout victory that night. Now I think we're getting a better fighter in Gamrod. If he can land that knockout punch, I'll be happy. If it's Benny getting the win the way that he does as well inside the distance, I'll be happy because I'm going to be betting on violence here. So let's go with the under two and a half, but Gamrot as the prediction. I like that, man. And shout out to uh, to Action Network, the prop squad, dude. Fantastic hey. uh, outlet, that is. I got I got the the app downloaded. I got the subscription service and everything. It's a, it's a great place uh, to get some information on your bets. Absolutely. One of one of the better like tracking sites out there as well, oh, yeah. but also great gambling content as well. So make sure you guys check out the Action Network, which I also do the Coleman event breakdowns for every UFC fight week as well. So make sure you guys check that out. All right, let's get to these last three fights here, Connor. Very, very fun fights that we got up. Pyotr Jan taking on Sugar Sean O'Malley, plus 225 on O'Malley, minus 265 on Piotr Jan. I'll be honest to you. Uh, I'll kick it off to you very shortly here, but I'll be honest. I'm surprised to see Piotr Jan still in that minus 200 range come fight time, given the mythical beast that the public believes that he is. I really thought that money would come in on him, make him closer to minus 400. Do I believe he deserves to be minus 400? I'll let you guys know that very shortly. But Connor, I'll let you kick this one off, my friend. What are you thinking here? Does O'Malley pay, uh, pull off the upset? Does he pass the test? Or is this just, uh, I fought Piotr Jan, give me my respect? <laughs> it's uh it's hilarious the way you led that off uh being surprised that he's still in the minus 200 range i am the same way uh so i've mentioned a couple lines that i got that were good uh you know i got the best fight on notifications on sometimes when i feel good about a pick I'll, I'll unload on it as soon as the line drops uh i did that here uh i did that on Piotr Jan at minus 275 uh and i was sitting back thinking i was a genius thinking i was mega mind for <laughs> A month, a month and a half, he dropped down to minus 400, minus 425 at a lot of books. I was like, you got it, kind of dark, nice, <laughs> great line movement. You killed it. In the last 10 days, it's come steamed back up. I'm like, and at one point, I want to say this week, you could get Piotr Jan at minus 240 at some books. I was like, wow, wow. With inflation and everything, as long as I've sat on this bet, I made a terrible bet. Um, but I actually, I I have that confidence in Piotr Jan to get it done. I, Sean O'Malley, 
I'm actually a big Sean O'Malley fan. I, I like the shtick that he puts on. I like this sort of superstar persona, how much effort he puts into it, getting the, the custom cars to match his merch for each fight. Yeah. Like he's, I think he's driving a Tesla right now. That's like a faded orange to match the hoodies that he's selling. Like he's a showman and yeah. I like showmans in the fight game. I always will, whether, whether you're a heel or, or a baby face, I love when people put on a show and they have personality surrounding them. So I like Sean O'Malley. And I have backed him in in a lot of spots because he's sneaky been around the UFC for for longer than people realize. I want to say this is his 11th UFC fight. He's been in the organization since 2017. He, he's been around. Um, so I have been backing him. This is actually going to be the first time I'm going against him. But I just think the the step up in competition going up against the guy like Piotr Jan, he, he's already faced a test in a long rangey tall striker in Corey Sandhagen this time last year. He won 49-46 across the board, but that was a razor-thin close fight. Um, I think that test is going to pay off dividends in this matchup. I would favor Corey Sandhagen over Sean O'Malley in a matchup. I I think that, sh- that Piotr Jan is going to be able to work in inside the range, be able to do what he wants to do. Does the slow starts kind of concern me? Do I kind of look back on it and been like, man, I probably should have waited on this and then really waited on it to see what's going on on the live odds after round one just because of historically how Jan has started. Uh, O'Malley doesn't give a ton of confidence the way he started against Munoz, but you know that could have just been a one-off. Um, I just think Jan, the, the way that he fights, he's a guy, he's always a favorite. You know, you love saying you love to have an underdog that fights for your money. Jodion's a favorite who is going to fight for your money. This guy is not going to quit. He is going to make sure that you're going to get your money's worth when you put it down on him. And I won't be surprised because we haven't really seen Sean O'Malley exposed to it. If Jan were to take this to the mat, if he were to go for a takedown, he didn't do it in Aljo too, though he did work up a decent amount of control time. He didn't do it in the Sandhagen fight because he was having success on the feet. But in the six fights prior to that, he landed a takedown every fight and racked up 17 or 16 takedowns across those six fights. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he took this to the mat. Uh, but I just think this has 29, 28 Jan written all over it. Uh, I just, I think this goes to a decision. Maybe if he does get it to the mat later in the fight, Jan pounds him out. Uh, but I, I can respect the dog shot on O'Malley. I think it's a fun side to be on. If he pulls it off, God, I, my brain is going to be warped that we're going to be talking about <laughs> Sean O'Malley title fight after yeah. this. Like, I mean, it, that's a serious thing that you have to put in existence if he wins this fight. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think Jan gets it done. Yeah, this is absolutely a number one contender fight. And I think Dana even kind of proclaimed it earlier this week. Um, and, and just further proof to how long Sugar Sean has been around, he was on the second ever card of the contender series. That Crazy. was season one that he was on. And, and like uh, the, the growth that he's had since then, not just yeah. in his game, but like if you look at just like physically small, skinny dude, like barely any tats, just like, you know, brown curly hair. Now he's like the rainbow man with tats everywhere. He's got this huge personality. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's been around, bro. Back then, he looked like like Chase Hooper gone down a different path ever so slightly. <laughs> now, he's just like Chase Hooper completely gone down a different path. Yeah, essentially. Exactly. But I love the way that he's embraced it, man. The guy, a lot of people think he's just a, a dumbass and like a guy that just, you know, says stupid shit. But like, I think the way he's approached his career, the guy's phenomenal. The guy's making I, tremendous amount of money, not just yes. through the UFC, but through sponsorships and his Twitch channel, his YouTube channel as well is absolutely blowing up as well. So the guy is a very smart individual. Um, and I think he brings it to the cage too. Go ahead. I mean, I was just going to say what you're saying on his intellect. I mean, like you can hate him for being cocky and like the way he acts, like that's fine. But 
the way that he markets himself, the the merchandise, the way that he gets these huge fights against lesser opponents, and they're they're put up on the main card. He's, he's put up on a pedestal. I'm sure his contract follows suit with the rest of the stuff that we see on the outside. The dude knows what he's doing when it comes to the fight game. That is for sure. Yeah, and uh, even accepting this fight, like that's another strategic business move. Like no it's a win-win. You, you win, you win. You get a title <laughs> shot. Yeah. Lose, you lost against arguably the second best bantamweight in the world right 100%. now, and uh, it's a steep jump up from Pedro Munoz to Piotr Jan. So we got to give him all the respect in the world. There, I thought you broke this down, uh, this fight down very well, though, Connor. I, you know, th there is that sketchiness and that early going for Piotr Jan, given his slow starting ability. But after that, once he downloads that information, he really starts to let it go, and that's where I think that Sean could potentially struggle. But like, if it takes longer than six minutes, seven minutes. O'Malley's live. O'Malley is absolutely live, especially if it's a standing fight. Like if it's a striking absolutely. battle, O'Malley could chip away at him with just movement and kicking him from the outside. He's got the movement. He's got the range. He should be fine. But I'm glad that you touched on the takedowns because that's the side that I'm hoping that we see Piotr Jan. I'm hoping that we see him look to drag this fight to the ground. Um, you know, a lot of people were shitting on him saying that he has no wrestling because of that last fight that he had against Aljamain Sterling. I'm like, you guys, you guys are misguided here. Like, this guy is a solid wrestler. It's just Aljo was able to kind of, you know, corral him into a position that he was able to get those takedowns. And we'll talk about Aljo in a second here, but one of the best control guys of all time in the UFC. So you can't fault Piotr Jan for losing that fight the way that he did. Maybe he should have been, you know, a little bit more on his bicycle that night so that uh, Aljo couldn't get his, uh, get his paws on him. But here again, Sean, I think he could absolutely be effective with the grappling should he take that route. And I'm hoping that he does. But historically speaking, yes, earlier in his UFC career he did. Maybe he wants to go out there and put on a statement against a guy like Sean O'Malley and try to knock him out. And that's where my hesitancy comes with laying that minus 265, minus 270 on Jan because he could let the early little moments start to slip away from him. And the fact that this is not a five-round fight plays more in favor in Sean O'Malley's uh, no game. Like we've saw every fight pretty much that Giannis had, he's either wins in those late rounds or he wins those late rounds on the judges' scorecards and it's hard to catch up with him at that point. Um, pick is Piotr Jan. I'm going to keep my eye on the betting line, though, because if there is this late surge of money coming in on Sean O'Malley, I would be interested in Jan closer to minus 200 maybe. But um, I think that this it's going to start leveling off here. I think that this is where it stops. Minus 250 will likely be the best you get. But I'm hoping we get a dominant performance from him. It would be, uh, you know, a sure... Uh, craziness should Sean O'Malley get his hand raised here, but uh, I, I think for the order of things, Piotr Jan will likely get his hand raised and get his third crack at that title as well. Uh, imagine Sean O'Malley, you know, gets the hand raised and then just calls out whoever wins the next fight, you know, <laughs> whoever wins the title is mine. You know, I'm he has lines ready to go too, right? Oh, Whether dude. it's Alge or TJ, like, you know, 100%. he has it ready to go. A hundred percent. Yeah, I can't wait for this. I mean, one, one last thing that you said about Piotr yeah, Jan against, against Sterling. I mean, while he did get taken down and got his back controlled, he stuffed 20 takedowns. Yeah. Like, Aljo went 2 of 22. He's a great defensive wrestler, uh, and I think he can implement an offensive game plan. We'll see if he does go that route. Uh, you know, making assumptions and betting can can kind of make you look like an ass sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to totally depend on that, but I'm hoping that we do see it at some point in, over the 15 minutes. Yes, sir. All right, let's get to the co-main fight now. Let's talk about all the gold that's on the line this weekend, Connor. First fight, and first title fight, I should say, uh, between bantamweights here. Aljamain Sterling 
coming off the aforementioned Piotr Jan, uh, that win. Uh, this will be his second title defense for the 135-pound title. He's going up against former two-time bantamweight champion TJ Dillashaw in terms of odds. we got minus 175 on Sterling, plus 150 the return on TJ Dillashaw. Very fun fight here, uh, especially with the style class that we're going to be getting between the two guys, right? Movement and striking of TJ, and then the jujitsu when controlling nature of Aljamain Sterling's uh, game as well. Um, so we kind of spoke about it a little bit when we were talking about the Piotr Jan fight, right? I think the one issue that Piotr Jan had in that fight was he just wasn't moving enough. Like the, he wasn't cutting the angles. He wasn't pivoting off. He wasn't causing, uh, or sorry, he was being a little bit too static, uh, which allowed Aljo to get those takedowns, get his uh, hands around his waist and uh, eventually get that, get that control time. Like you said, he went two of 24 on takedowns, but the, all he needed was the two. He just needed to latch onto you. And he is one of the toughest guys to deal with, especially when he gets your back. Um, I, I, I'd actually argue that Charles Oliveira is probably the most dangerous person to have on your back, but Aljo is one of the toughest guys to have on your back in terms of getting out of those positions and, you know, getting back to your feet. But TJ Dillashaw, that's where I think he becomes live is the movement, right? That's That was his calling card in terms of winning the title against Henan Burrell way back in 2014. Just to give context to people, he was a plus 600 underdog the night that he beat Hendon Burrell. Nobody expected him to win. Nobody even wanted him to get a title shot to begin with. But the monster Hendon Burrell was dispatching of guys left and right, and there was only TJ Dillashaw left. He pulls off the victory. Good win for him. If you guys have not seen that performance, I would highly suggest going back to it. One of the greatest championship winning performances of all time, TJ Dillashaw against Hendon Burrell. Way back, I think it was UFC 173, if I can remember off the top of my head. I'm no Ariel Hawani when it comes to remember exactly the events <laughs> and all that. It, it was but, UFC 173. Oh, shit. Okay. Bang on. Good Let's call, go. bro. Um, but in regards to this matchup, I think he has the movement. I think he has a striking advantage. And I think his wrestling background coupled with that movement should allow him to keep this fight upright for the majority of this matchup. I also think he has the better cardio. EPO or not, I think he has the better cardio to go the full five rounds and wear on Aljamain Sterling and potentially even finish him later on in this fight. So, you know, as we see Aljo start to slow down in the second, maybe third fight, I'm going to go uh, full Yanni here and... That's a problem. Finish this. <laughs> As Yanni is uh, just praying and hoping for a finish. I'm going to be hoping for a finish for Dillashaw later in this matchup because I'm going to be invested in the round props. Round four, plus oh, 20, round five, plus 3,500. Got to have some stabs there because I do think that Aljo will start to slow down. He will start to make some mistakes, start going for desperation takedowns. I think that TJ Dillashaw will capitalize very efficiently, very effectively, and very significantly by landing a knockout here late in this matchup. Early in the week, Connor, I was thinking decision. The more that I'm thinking about it, the more I'm leaning on the finish. I don't know if it's because I crave violence or I truly believe this, but I think I, those late-round props on TJ Dillashaw are great, but I think he gets the title and you three-time. Three-time, three-time bantamweight champion, TJ Dillashaw. Let's go. What do you think in your corner? Give me some confidence. Don't rain on my parade and go with Aljo. Oh, um, God. All right. All right. 
for a northeast. Right, two things. One, you love violence. I love violence as well. I actually hate betting overs and I hate betting decisions. I get so antsy during them, like as the minutes tick by. It's like when I use my bathroom breaks. Uh, like you know, I'll go to the bathroom and just be like, keep an ear out for it. I'll be like, all right, when I come back, you know, round one will be over. We'll almost be there at that point. Like it, it'll be fine. Um, I can't argue with anything that you said, man. I, I think I think TJ Dillashaw is an incredibly live dog here, but. Ah, I was gonna stay. There's always right, a was, but. There's always a goddamn but. <laughs> I was gonna stay away from this fight altogether, and then I was like, "It's the bantamweight championship. It's UFC 280. I have to side with someone." Um, I got burned by. Uh, it's funny that I'm betting on Yan and betting on Aljo when I got burned by Aljo and burned by Yan so bad at <laughs> UFC 273. I mean, I won. I was up that night, but barely. It would have been like one of my best nights ever had had Jan got the his hand raised in that split decision. Yeah. I was way too invested in Piotr Jan in that fight. Uh, and they, he could expose me again here against Sean O'Malley. So everything you said is true. I mean, TJ Dillashaw, it's unquestionable that he is the better striker in this situation. He's got more power. He, he's got more experience in it, too. I mean, I love that you're taking the finish props. I think that's a beautiful way to play it, especially with the way that Aljo sort of faded in the Jan fight. You know, I, he, I know he got his hand raised, but that was all based off of those first three rounds of action. He did fade. He did struggle at the end of that fight. And TJ Dillashaw, he has, what, five knockouts in, in bantamweight fights? Like, I mean, he, he, has, he holds that power, so I can't argue with it. But it's one thing that you did say earlier about Aljo. Two of 22 against Piotr Jan, who I think might have the best defensive wrestling in in the bantamweight division, save for Jose Aldo, though I know Jose Aldo's gone. I mean, he's, he's got 90% takedown defense over a, a fairly wide or fairly large sample size. TJ Dillashaw right behind him with 86%. The thing about Alger, though, he only needed those two takedowns. Now, I know TJ Dillashaw is one of those guys that gets back up. I think Alger was going to be able to find a couple takedowns. and. One thing that Jan doesn't get enough credit for, everyone ripping on him for ha ha letting Aljo have his back that entire time. Aljo is a finisher. Aljo is a man that submits people when he has their back. Go back and watch the Corey Sandigan fight. It took him no time at all to get a finish there. Piotr Jan needs to get the credit for surviving that long with Aljo hanging on his back. Um, so I think at some point, Aljo will find the back. And I just cannot sit there. And a bet that I'm going to force, I can't sit there and watch uh, Aljo just ride him. And me just be like, wow, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to lose again watching this guy just ride him out. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if if uh, if Aljo gets a finish via submission. And what you said, I wouldn't be surprised if TJ Dillashaw uh, gets a finish via knockout. I, I haven't played it, but the under four and a half sitting at plus 165, I, I don't think is a terrible shot uh, on a plus money play in this one. But I did go with Aljamain Sterling. I went him on the money line. This is not a confident play, so that might exude some confidence in your play on Dillashaw, especially those props. Uh, but I had to get something down. It's the Bantamweight Championship. I'm not going to sit there twiddling my thumbs. I wouldn't expect a fellow New Yorker to uh, go against another New Yorker. Yeah, got, I got to ride with my guy, even though I you know, heavily went against him last time out. Uh, shout out to our guy, Jake Noecker, in the chat here saying, Aljo told TJ we're striking. I'm not sure if you saw that from the, the weigh-ins or the ceremonial weigh-ins from this uh, this morning. Uh, what do you think of their mind games or uh, you think my, it's for real? My biggest argument to that is fighters say a lot of things pre-fight. Uh, that's something I've learned over over the years. Uh, watching these things, there's, I just failed to see a way where Aljo has as much confidence as he has, and he thinks he's going to go in there and strike with TJ Dillashaw for 25 minutes. Uh, I just can't imagine a world where where that happens, and he doesn't depend on his strength 
which is trying to take it to the ground. Maybe more than the yawn fight, but I think it's I think it's mind games. Like, like I, I, you know, Aljo not notoriously the most popular guy amongst the MMA masses, but why even say that? Like, we we know you bluff him, bro. Like we, dude, we know. Like, like what is this? Like. Don't but don't sauce. TJ doesn't good. believe you either. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, it's like, exactly. It's not like he walked off the stage and TJ and his coaches were like, "Damn, bro, like <laughs> he might actually just be trying to strike with me." Like, we, I don't think we need to worry about the grappling anymore. I, I think if TJ could, he would have like brought up that uh, that meme of him from the Ultimate Fighter where he's like, "I'm shaking, bro." Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. TJ, think... TJ is like, he's the, a savage, the, man. The rotunda, the uh, the baggage claim video that's yes. Been going. Dude, that, is, that is so ridiculous. Also, the line yesterday, you're going to lose to a cheater. Yes, I feel, yes. I feel like it missed different. Like, I, I feel like it I felt like it missed, problems. but the other one that was pretty good. I like, oh, you could you could come test me. Test yes. these nuts. Test these I'm nuts. Like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. I'm always down for a good these nuts joke. Yeah, exactly. Who doesn't? <laughs> All right. That is going to bring us to our main event of the evening. Let's go. But first, let me just quickly thank the 100 live viewers that we still have currently hanging with us on this Friday afternoon. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe if you haven't already. And give my guy, Connor Brooks, a follow as well. All of his social medias are in the description below. So just give it a couple clicks. Follow the man. You probably are ready. But if you haven't, I'm sure the last uh, 60 or 74 minutes that we've been doing this uh, has sold you on my guy, Connor Brooks. And also, make sure you check out his No Bets Barred podcast as well. Um, uh, when, when do you guys release that? Do you guys have a specific day? You guys always try to drop that. Wednesday. Comes out on every Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, yeah, that's that's the schedule that we stick to right now. And all uh, all all platforms, correct? YouTube, all platforms, anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, you Apple, Google, anywhere you find them is, is where you're going to get it. It's it's a little tricky because it's in the MMA fighting feed, but if you type in No Bets Bard, you should be able to find it. There you guys go. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into this main event. Uh, John Anik laid it out perfectly at the press conference a couple of days ago when he said, we could probably not make a better fight than this one, stylistically speaking, and I absolutely agree with him. That's why I thank the UFC for this perfect birthday gift of this hellacious matchup. That's <laughs> I did it for you, bro. This is, this I is can't wait. Uh, I can't wait. I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to be sloshed as shit, Connor. And I apologize that I'll be uh, going up against you guys in your watch party, but I'll be doing my own birthday watch party here on my channel tomorrow, starting with the first Friday of the night, because we're hardcores out well, here, Connor. Hardcore. We start at the prelims six hours straight. Y'all better than me, man. Y'all are better than me. <laughs> uh, but I'll be drinking all day. I'm going to be taking shots. Every first round finish, out, finish I'll be taking a shot, oh, uh, but also sipping on a drink throughout the card as well. But hopefully I'm still conscious by the time this main event kicks off. We got Charles Dobronx Oliveira trying to reclaim his title that he lost to the scales last time around. He's coming in as a plus 160 underdog. On the flip side with Islam Mahachev, he's coming in to silence the haters that keep saying that he does not have a great resume. He's coming in as a minus 190 underdog. Also, he's trying to separate himself from always being mentioned with Khabib since that seems to be the question he always has to deal with whenever he fights. Connor. I'm going to let you kick this one off, my guy. What are you thinking here? Does the Dagestani wrestling pay off, or does Dobronx go for his 12th straight victory while recapturing the title? Oh, my God, man. I mean, this fight, dude. Uh, you, you said it perfectly with the John Anik setup. This this fight I absolutely cannot wait for. I see some people saying that, you know, they're most excited for O'Malley Yan or, or maybe the bantamweight title, maybe Benil. It has to be this one. It has to be this one because I don't know what's going to happen. 
I, I, I have no clue on the way that this fight is going to go. So what I do have is a future bet from December on Islam Makachev to be the lightweight champion at the end of 2022. I took that at plus 240 uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook. It was, it, was, it was there. I felt confident. It was the biggest future that I bet. Uh, I had a strong feeling he would get a title shot. He now has that title shot, and he is a favorite in that one. So I am financially cheering for Islam Makachev, but I'm also not going to sit here and just ride out a future bet uh, in one of the biggest fights of the year, if not the biggest fight of the year. So I also had to get some separate action down. So a single that I took is Islam Makachev to win in either rounds one, two, or three. I think no matter how this fight goes, it's going to get chaotic. Uh, I think a Charles KO, a Charles Sub, an Islam KO, an Islam Sub, none of those are out of the question. Islam decision, I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked. Charles' decision is probably the only way this fight ends that I just absolutely cannot see that happening. Um, I think what Charles does so well of late is he makes these fights just chaotic. He gets you to make mistakes, and he goes through that fire with this just impeccable sense of calmness. Like when he gets dropped, he just he just drops to the ground. And you mentioned Nobets Bart earlier. My co-host made a fantastic point of the fear of the ground game that his recent opponents have had. Poirier, uh, last time out against Gaethje. Anytime Gaethje hit him, uh, you know, he would just drop to the ground. And he has two options. Gaethje can go to the ground and take that risk of fighting with Charles Oliveira on the ground. Or he has to let him sit there until the ref makes it come up and he just gets to recuperate. Gets to, you know, shake off the cobwebs. That was. The thing with Islam Makashev, I don't think he not only doesn't fear going to the ground with Charles Oliveira, I think he welcomes it. I think he is that confident in his wrestling that he will gladly go to the ground with Charles Oliveira. Now, when it gets there, it's tough to speak with confidence on what's going to happen. Is he going to pound him out? Is he going to be able to get in a position where he can actually submit Charles Oliveira? I mean, he does have this great sense of confidence. He has incredible top control. I mean, the best in the lightweight division. Uh, without a doubt. But what does Charles Oliveira do from his back? I don't know, man. He is a he's a madman. He's a madman on the feet. He's a madman on the ground. It's it's impossible to predict what he does. Lately, he fights through the fire and he gets himself in a positive position, an advantageous position, and he finishes these fights. So I'm doubling down on my future because I do think that Islam Makashev is the truth. I think that he is the future, and I do think that he's going to take it to the ground, use that top control, and get the finish on Charles Oliveira. Uh, can I say that with an extreme confidence? I don't know. I do I do know, I think I know, the fight will be chaotic. The fight will end early. If you look at these combined records, 35 of their 42 UFC fights have finished inside the distance, 27 of those in the first two rounds. You know, the lay and pray rep for Islam Makashev, it's, it's somewhat true, but seven of his 11 wins come by finish. Uh, I think whoever wins this, it's by finish. I'm not going to go against my future. Forget the hedge. We're going to ride with Islam Makashev, and I'm going to ride with him to get it done within the first three rounds uh, at plus 150. I felt like I was talking during that entire time because I feel exactly the same, man. Like I, I am on, on the Makashev side here as well. And before studying this fight, I really didn't expect to have a side, right? I thought that Me this too. was a very great stylistic matchup. Both guys could have their success. Um, but after running the tape, man, I think it becomes clear that – the, the run that Charles is on is great. Don't get me wrong, but like, like especially the last handful of guys that he's been right, Poirier, Chandler, um, unbelievable, and Gage. So like, 
Yeah, exactly. But the all the, the the main thing with all three of those guys, and everybody just wants to keep going back to that, saying, "Oh, look how impressive this run is." All three of those guys are forced to strike with Charles Oliveira rather than finding that confidence of getting this fight on the ground. And you kind of touched on that. Like nobody wanted to go to the ground with this guy because they're in fear of getting tapped. But Islam Hachev will have no fear of that. He is going to want to take this fight to the ground. And you know how he's done his research. He went back to even the Paul Felder fight that Charles Oliver had. He goes, look, when somebody doesn't fear his ground game and they can get out of those submission attempts, they can smash his face through the mat. That's what Paul Felder did. That's what Islam Mahachev will likely be able to do here as well. So I think the confidence alone that he has in the ground game will allow him to break Charles the later that this fight goes. I think it will take roughly about two rounds for that to happen because like, I, I think that Charles might try to tap into that second gear as he's been able to over his last couple fights, right? He's been rocked and dropped in pretty much all these fights, <laughs> but comes back and finishes these guys. Um, but I, I think that he's going to continue to get demoralized as Islam is on top of him, as he starts to pass his guard, as he gets to more dominant positions. And then from there, I think it opens up a submission or TKO opportunity. So I took the straight shot on his money line at minus 165. I think that's a great spot to go about it. Um, I don't mind anybody parlaying the fight doesn't go to decision. I got that closer to minus 450. I parlayed that with Carol Hosa earlier on in the card. I think that's like if I were to have a lock of the night play, that would likely be it. As well, a couple of times. Exactly. I, I got in uh, three units minus 150 personally earlier in the week. But like even if you can get anything better than minus 200, still, I think that it's a damn good bet considering that both those should be layups. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love islam in the spot i don't think he has anything to fear on the ground and then as he slowly starts to chip away at charles he will be able to put him away i'm gonna specifically predict round three tko for islam Mahachev. i don't know what the odds are on that but i'll likely take a sprinkle on that because i feel pretty damn confident about it um but yeah i think we have entered the islam Mahachev era and i think it should be very difficult and i've take gonna take a very long time for somebody to dethrone him from that uh from that throne yeah man i mean Another thing that I didn't talk about when I was talking about uh, Islam earlier, and, and another thing that I think is going to be very advantageous for him, is this dude is like, like Michael Chandler loves going into the fire. Gaethje loves going into the fire. Poirier. These dudes love scrapping. Like, they are not afraid to do it. Islam Makhachev is one of the most defensively sound and defensively responsible lightweights in the world. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Like, the, the lucky number 13 for this man, three, like, he's never been had more than 13 significant strikes landed on him in his UFC career, but three times. It's like, it's like something in his brain, you know, his opponent gets the 13 significant strikes and he's just like, all right, no more. The, <laughs> the strikes landed per minute on him. 0.84 is like unheard Nuts. of dude. Like it's, it's obviously the wrestling that, that allows him to be able to do that. But like something, a sign of a great UFC champion, like we, we see it in, in a lot of the guys today, like, especially like in Israel Adesanya. The, dis, the, the defensive responsibility. When you are that defensively sound, you don't get put in to terrible positions. And I'm going to lean on the side of Islam Makhachev avoiding getting in one of those terrible positions and being able to use his advantages in this matchup as a weapon and, like you said, uh, likely be able to get the finish. Uh, I say within the first three rounds, so your prediction of uh, round three TKO lines up perfectly with me. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Uh, but, go ahead. I was just going to say, but I am also on the fight does not go to a decision in a few parlays as well. 
if you look throughout my record, you'll always see me more often than not bet Charles Oliveira fights under two and a half. Uh, I kind of like that play as well, but I think that it might take Islam into that, you know, that later into that third round to possibly get him out of there. Um, but I think the statistic is 26 out of the 30 fights, uh, UFC fights of Charles Oliveira have finished under two and a half. You can make it 27 if he had finished Addy Ogle 10 seconds prior as well. It's unbelievable, dude. I want to say 17 of his last 18 uh, have gone under the two and a half. Like the yeah, guy. I think it was the Ferguson fight that was the only outlier. Yeah. Uh, he creates chaos, dude. And he obviously has found a way to weaponize everything he's got in his arsenal. And now with, with getting KOs of late, uh, I mean, and this, me taking Islam is no disrespect to Charles. What he has Not done at all. has been unbelievable. I love watching the dude fight. It almost pains me a little bit to go against him. And I know the vast majority of the public uh, are going to be supporting Charles Oliveira in this one. Was I nervous seeing the weigh-in picture with him like having 40 teammates around him and the whole illuminated by God? <laughs> that was wild, man. What I mean, this guy's talking about like, like, like God has like handed him the blueprint yeah. to knock Islam Makhachev out in the first round. If it happens, like, I, I mean... The dude's a scary threat, and this is this is one where the knees are bouncing, the hands are restless. You got to sit on the hands, you got to pace around as they're making the walkouts. It's it's gonna be crazy, dude. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for this entire card, but this one especially, the cherry on top. It is going to be electric. I cannot wait. Just like my guy Cold Stein here saying, heart telling me H. Harley Olives, mind telling me Islam. I absolutely tough, say it's that tough. as well. And I'm not sure if that's actually Charles Oliveira in the chat. I highly doubt it is. Let's just be honest about that. But hey, if it, it is, is dude, tweet me. Tweet me. Give yourself some credit. <laughs> I think me. it's Charles Oliveira. <laughs> what, does he have a fight in like what? <laughs> uh, 26 hours? He's got to catch the weigh-in show, dude. He's got to get uh, the bets down in before the uh, <laughs> before the rule goes into place that fighters can't bet anymore. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll leave you with uh, two questions, then we'll get you out of here. First and foremost, if Charles Oliveira actually pulls off the upset this weekend, can we claim him as the best lightweight of all time? I knew this was coming as soon as you started. I had to. You know, I had to. It's difficult, man. It's a very difficult question to answer. He has to be in the conversation. I mean, he he has to be. Uh, But I mean, when you've got a guy. 29 and 0, whatever you say about the resume, whatever you say about the competition, the dude's still got an O next to him. He was unbelievable. Khabib, the dominance that he showed while he was in the game. I wish he was like 33 and 0 and he, and he chalked up a few more, you know, top level wins that, that made this easy. But if you look at it, if Charles pulls this off, the current lightweight standings, he'll have a win. Obviously, he'll become the champion and then he'll have a win over the number one, the number two, the number three, the number four. I mean, he goes through the who's who's. He He's not afraid to fight anyone in front of him. And likely if he wins, it's by finish. And it, there's just something about like when you win by a dominant finish that just kind of ups the ante. It could be recency bias, but he's certainly put himself into the conversation without a doubt, especially if he beats the boogeyman in Islam. I mean, this is like I mentioned father's plan earlier. This is this is feels like a coronation that's been waiting to happen for a long time. And if Charles Oliveira is the one standing in the middle of it, it's tough to argue it, man. It's tough to argue it. It's there's so many talking points after this card. That's, that's one of the best parts about it is like, there's just so much that you got to get into once the dust settles for 280.
Yeah, no, I, the, the only reason I asked that question to you is because it feels like this is the last stylistic problem that he has yet to solve, like a Dagestani wrestler of the caliber of uh, Islam Ahachev, the closest thing we have to Khabib currently competing as well. And if he's able to defeat an archetype like that, then we have to kind of consider it. Um, and then lastly, I always end off the show kind of with this as well. Uh, lock of the night play or your most confident play on the card because a lot of people hate that L word. So I always try yeah. to throw that in there as well. I don't care. It, obviously, it's the brand that I push as well. So, you know, it's just words, folks. You know, let's let's keep it together. Um, personally, I do not have a lock of the night play for this fight or for this card, officially speaking. But if I were to, again, if this was me in January earlier this year and not scared to make parlays, my lock of the night plays at five units, I would go Carol Hosa plus the main event to not go to decision. I got it at minus 150 at three units. That would be my chalky parlay, my lock of the night play. Connor, I believe you're going to say the exact same thing, but please Bro, let me hear from your your mouth. I can't believe how much we've agreed here. I thought we were going to have a little <laughs> bit more uh, argumentative points that we that we've made and kind of. Got we'll save it for a future card. We'll yeah, save it for exactly. A I, I guess it was really just the TJ and the Aljo thing, and I'm not even yeah. that confident on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to go and look at it, like I'm quite confident in Carol Hosa getting it done. I am quite confident in the main event not going to a decision, but let's let's keep it closer to even odds. Uh, go for it. I, you, you mentioned your brand being the lock, which I actually, it's so funny that you mentioned that. I'm like the least superstitious person ever, except when it comes to betting. When betting gets involved, it's like, uh, you know, like if if someone has the door open and like I uh, get a big knockout, it's like, whoa, leave that door open. He's looking for any edge, eh? Bro, if I'm, if I'm sitting in a seat and like I start off the card 3-0, and I'm like, and someone's just like, oh, scoot over, it's like, no, sit by me. I'm not moving out of the seat. Like I like, and I like, I'll never say anything's over until it's actually over. Like I'm like, that's more so with uh, with like football or basketball. Like if my team's up big, like I just like I've been burned too many times thinking it's over. Um, like one time I was, this is really getting off the trail, but I was go at a bar it, watching. It, I was at a bar watching UFC London, and March Madness was going on. This was the March card, and I had bet UNC money line against Baylor. They were they were up like twenty five plus one ninety. And like someone was like, this one's over. And oh, they lose their star no. player, Brady Manning. Baylor comes all the way back, sends it to overtime. And I'm just like looking at this kid. I'm like, you did this. This is your fault. Man. <laughs> uh, UNC ended up pulling it off. But like, yeah, I'm superstitious. So I, I, yeah, I like never say lock. But I like your confidence in being like, it's just words. It doesn't matter. I have no effect on it. Because uh, I have this T-shirt curse going. And I'm trying to start to get to there where I'm like, yes, I my, know t-shirt has, yeah. my T-shirt has no implications on what's going on here. And then it keeps losing. And I'm like. What is going on with this? <laughs> Just <joke>? burn it. <laughs> uh, closer to even odds, though. I'm going to stick with my brand, how you stick with your brand of Lock of the Night. My brand, Flyweight Unders. I mean, I got a sticker for it. I doubt you can see no it. No way. <laughs> I mean, let me get it close to the camp. Yeah, let me see that shit. That's how much, how dedicated he is. That is awesome. That is awesome. Flyweight Unders. I love it. Flyweight wow. Unders. It's in the lock. So, I mean, I'm 8-0 so far in the year. I had one slip up in Bellator, but, you know, we don't count that Bellator. 8-0 on UFC flyweight unders. We've even we've even dabbled in the women's game with a uh, Jillian Robertson fight. Uh, Muhammad Makai. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm Gordon. Under one and a half. That's what I'm going to ride with. I, I, I take those props as soon as they drop. Plus, plus 105. Malcolm Gordon. He makes fights chaotic. He's going up against the chainsaw, the buzzsaw of Muhammad Makai. Let's hope that one finishes early. That's what I'll say for a close to even odds one. 
I love it. I love it. I'm glad that we're on the same plays there. Now, uh, if you see Connor Burks walking on the street, don't worry. He will walk under the ladders. He won't cross the street whenever <laughs> there's a black cat crossing him as well. That is not superstitious, but please do not tell him to scooch over if he's on a heater right now because <laughs> he might punch you in the face. Connor, I truly appreciate you coming on as, uh, you know, doing this for the first time. Uh, I want to lock you down eventually for another big pay-per-view down the road. Uh, the fans in the live chat seem to really enjoy it. I feel like we have great chemistry as well. I feel like we've been talking for years already. We've only ever DM'd before to sort of yeah. finally get this done and, and have it go as smoothly as I think it did. Uh, I think it was great. So thank you for joining the show as always. Dude, of course, man. I am absolutely happy to do it. Thank you for having me on, dude. It's it's an honor and a privilege to be able to go and talk fights with you, especially for a card this big. I mean, this is probably the third time this week I've I've like really delved into this card and each time I hear new things I love hearing the new angles I love hearing everyone's opinion on the card uh I mean I had a ton of fun dude I mean I was like yeah you know I'm at work right now I, I gotta keep it close to an hour here we are going 90 minutes I I like, once we get going I can't stop dude it's I know I know fun. I hate cutting um, people off too that's the one thing I'm just oh, like, dude. let them flow let, let it flow man that's that's what you got to say it's it's the chemistry in it but uh absolute blast thank you for having me on man i wish you nothing but the best of luck on your picks tomorrow same with everyone in the chat i want to see everyone win except for the bookies hopefully it's a fantastic card that's all i got for you man i can't wait to join the show again i love it i love it all right on behalf of myself and connor we appreciate everybody hanging with us on this friday afternoon if you haven't already hit that like and subscribe below go check out connor's podcast as well not just the mma hour this guy does some legit work with no bets barred as well over there on the mma fighting channel as well so make sure you guys check that out uh follow him on instagram and twitter as well links are in the description below good luck on all your bets tomorrow folks i will be going live bright and early at 10 30 a.m actually because they did push the start time back now so i have a little bit more time to get my facilities about me and wake up but 10 30 a.m eastern i'll be right here uh watching the fights live with you guys getting fucked up on stream with you guys as well hopefully catching some bets too and if you guys want to do a simulcast of me and connor's uh watch yeah, party that I mean, he's going to be doing at his uh 145 p.m eastern time as well you guys are welcome to do that as well just one ear me one ear them i think we'll all be fine <laughs> hey one one last question for you before we Hit go me. Super early start, 10 o'clock. You said you're going to be drinking, 10.30 start. What are we thinking? Are we thinking Irish coffee to, you know, get the day going? Or do we do mimosas, Bloody Marys? Or are we just like straight, you know, are we going Bud Light? We, you know, it doesn't matter what time it is. We're going beers. We're going brewskis. We're going hard liquor. Like, how, how do we attack this? I don't know if you have like any Indian friends or anything like that, Connor, but there's one thing that we're kind of known for, and it's our love for hard liquor, specifically the <laughs> Crown Royal. And Crown Royal oh, is what I'll be pouring. Flavor or straight? Straight, bro. Love it. Like, like, like I'll have those as shots, but I'll also have those as mixed drinks with a, a little bit of Coke or maybe ginger ale or something like that. But that's our go-to drink. So if you ever meet another Indian in your lifetime, Connor, you'd be like, oh, you want to hit that? Because I got you. And their eyes will light up almost immediately. I promise you that. But uh, I'm going to have me a nice hearty breakfast. And now I'll start pounding back the, those Crown Royals and hopefully still conscious by the time Islam Makachev makes his walk to the octagon all right appreciate everybody's joining us as always again i'll see you tomorrow at 10 30 a.m eastern right here let's go mahachev let's cash this ticket and, and off the fights on a great note see you guys next time